All right. I believe we are recording now. Um, here's the deal, listeners. We uh, are joined today on another one of these panels. We're going to keep it live. We're just going to record our thoughts right now today as we talk about the particular topic we've discussed. And we're going to put it out when we're done. And uh, we brought Brad Page, Eric Miller, DJ Cramp all on the show. I would go through deep introductions and all that, but everybody should already know who these guys are, either their podcasts, their upcoming books, which we can talk about, BJ, yeah. their retirement from project from podcasting, Eric, whatever it might be. <laughs> anyway, um, so we'll get into all that. You guys, everyone should already know who everyone is. The reason we're doing this conversation is because recently Brad reached out to me and uh, had some thoughts about when our favorite rock stars um, display opinions that are different than ours. And in this really divisive world that we live in today, how do we feel about that when the perception is that these people become problematic? And um, do you remain a fan? Do you have to take a side? Does it change the way you listen to their music? Can you still listen to their music? And uh, I think in this day and age, these are all very pertinent questions for a lot of reasons, whether it's politically politically, or it's somebody like Bill Cosby or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, consequence culture is around us. Everybody likes to call it cancel culture and not everybody, but certain half our country wants to cancel cancel culture but really what it is is just people having to pay the price for bad behavior uh brad tell us what sparked this idea well yeah uh, thanks john thanks for for doing this um you know often after i listen to one of your episodes i like to send you an email and just talk about that particular episode and you had a guest on recently someone whose music i really love and they in the course of the interview made a few comments that were, I, mean, I wouldn't say they were necessarily extreme, but it was a little shocking to me that it was kind of sort of, you know, that kind of anti-mass government overreach kind of thing kind of took sides with the performer who I think has crossed the line. And it was just surprising to me knowing what I know about just all I know about that particular artist is their music really. But it was just a bit of a shock. And sometimes it is a bit of a shock when you find out that an artist who you've connected with through the music, that suddenly you find maybe as a person, you don't really connect with it all. And uh, I just, it was enough that I just, I just wanted to talk about it. I wanted to talk about just how you, how you feel about those kind of things with a few friends and the three of you guys are kind of the most articulate and smart music listeners that I know. And so I thought just a chance to, for us to talk about it and figure out, you know, how, how does it make you feel? How, do, yeah. how does it affect your listening? Does it affect your listening? At which point does it affect your, your listening? Yeah, I, um, I'm really curious what Eric has to say about this, especially politically. Eric is one of the best spoken of all of us, best spoken people I know about political issues. Um, yeah, of course. Where do you, what do you think? Where do you stand on these kinds of things, Eric? Uh, well, I actually did an episode on pods and sides called separating yeah. art from the artist. And I had this, I had this great reporter who had just recently written a piece about, about it 
for Vox. She's like the pop culture beat. Her name's Constance Grady. And I had my uh, my Methodist pastor friend, Brian Joyce, right. on that episode. And he was wearing his pastor uh, hat on that one, whereas other times he's just my friend, Brian, right? Um, and it was I was re-listening to it in prepping for this, right? Um, that was that one was probably a bit heavier because that we went into history and, you know, sort of, you know, we got into, you know, could you benefit from the scientific research of a fascist, let's say, right? You know, the, this this is not necessarily a new topic, right? But, you know, it's in our faces now because, you know, th- everything's heightened, I suppose, right? But, mm. you know, we, in that conversation, maybe we'll get into it here, we get into, you know, all the levels of context around this, which there are many, many, right? Far too many that we could probably cover, but, you know, how close is the violation in proximity to their art, right? So for instance, in that episode, I made a mention of, you know, I can listen to Michael Jackson's Man in the Mirror and still enjoy it, but I can't listen to PYT because that's fucked up, right? Um, you know, uh, you know, the, the guy who wrote the Jungle Book funded, uh, you know, a guy who supported the slaughter of a thousand plus Indians that you see in the movie Gandhi, right? So can I not like the Jungle Book as a kid now, right? Because I now have that context. John Lennon was famously, you know, uh, shall we just say belligerent, right? Um, you know, Jerry Lee Lewis, uh, Elvis Presley, you know, then you get into, you know, uh, racism in that, you know, Chuck Berry's prosecuted, but, you know, Elvis Presley has privilege and he's Elvis, right? So he's courting his wife at 14 and it is what it is, right? Um, so we talked about a lot of that on that episode, but I think what we're talking about here more is, you know, um, I'm sorry if I sound like a windbag here, you know, is, is, is a bit more modern, right? So we're living in this, you know, um, this period of a rise of fascism. And before you guys got on, Brad and I were kind of talking, this is a real head scratcher for me because, you know, I'm, I'm 50, I, I'm a Star Wars generation, or if you're a Star Trek generation, how the fuck did you grow up watching the diversity of the rebellion in Star Wars, fighting a literal fascist empire, and then support anything with a whiff of fascism, right? Under the guise of make America great or whatever, right? Um, I mean, there's a million threads to pull in this. So, I, you know, I don't know if that answered your question or even got in the vicinity of it, but, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a deeply important topic and, you know, one I lose sleep over. So I appreciate you having me on for this. Yeah. Uh, BJ, how would you articulate this? I mean, we're kind of going around in circles that to me, the, I, I'll tell you a brief interaction with one of my listeners who had up to this point been a friend. I haven't heard from him since so i have a feeling this is why um i've known for a while that this particular listener of ours was uh on the right i'm sure very naively and i have want i choose to separate a republican from a trumper i've choose to assume that most and i'm wrong about this i know you'll all laugh but i would like to believe that traditional republicans would say to themselves this this does this is not who I'm about, you know? I stand for the ideals of, of the Republican Party, not this current Trump wave of, you know, toxicity. That's, that's common sense. Yeah. That's well, common sense, but common sense doesn't matter anymore. 
No, it doesn't. And so in my mind, I give people a lot of leeway if they're on the right to prove to me what side of the right they are currently on. And, and uh, recent last year, we had Tony Hadley from Spandau Ballet on, and I had read leading up to talking with him that he's a, a conservative. Now he's British, so he's not you know voting necessarily in our elections, but it just makes me sad, stuff like that. And in, in one of the recap episodes, I made a comment about how he was you know, still a really funny, nice, great interview despite this. And one of our listeners was like, geez, John, why don't you just let yourself relax? You know, why do you need what? Who cares where they are? And it's like, no, it's actually that uh, the world has never been more obviously good versus evil than it is right now. And uh, that I'm that since I've been alive and uh, my problem is giving is labeling someone as a good person when they're not based on these beliefs. Mm-hmm. And uh, I quickly noticed that I've never heard from that guy again. I quickly noticed that his Patreon contribution was gone, and uh, which is completely fine, completely fine. But um, I, I just have no patience for the other side of this black and white, good and evil world. BJ, what about you? Where do you stand today? Well, how can you? Yeah, there's no room for compromise anymore. There's no, uh, you have a right to your own opinion anymore when. I mean, aren't we just waiting right now? Aren't we just in limbo? All of us waiting for when we no longer live in a democracy and we live in a theocracy, which is hypocritical and supported by a bunch of morons. But I I don't have a whole lot of hope for the future right now. So I don't, yeah, I have no room in my life for anyone like that. They are the enemy. They are my enemy i don't know how you can uh, view it any other way at this point if they're supporting this then they are literally my enemy because i can see what's coming because they got everything is gerrymandered including the presidential election and so you know and the way they've got all the states gerrymandered they, everything the, the entire country is gerrymandered for a tyranny of the minority And so the people who are supporting that, whether it's because they're a moron, which a lot of it is because they're morons and they're delusional and they've been incredibly propagandized, right? They could be more incredibly manipulated. The manipulation is just next level. I mean, the idea of fake news. So now you have a whole population of people. There's no way to get through to them because everything is fake and they have demonized liberals to a level where they think we're all like eating babies it's so they're living in a completely alternate reality and i don't see any way to get them out of it so but we're also they're gonna win i feel like they're gonna win uh because the whole system is like i said it's gerrymandered the electoral college is gerrymandering the press so the presidential election is gerrymandered all these states are gerrymandered so that the literal minority is ruling and making all these, a lot of uh, laws based on religion, which is also, you know, these are the people who are supposed to be patriots, but they don't believe in anything that this country supposedly stood for. Mm-hmm. For example, immigration, yeah. <laughs> you know. So just basic tenets of what 
America was supposed to be, which is the land of opportunity and freedom of religion. These people don't believe in any of that. So all these years they've been yelling about patriotism, they were full of shit. They were completely full of shit. And all their talk about states' rights, as soon as they can take away states' rights, they're going to. It's not All of a sudden, it's not going to be about states' rights anymore. You watch. Mm-hmm. And so they don't act. I don't even know what they believe in. I don't think they know. Yeah. Because, because they literally, I guess because they believe in a fantasy. So that's why I don't know. I don't know. I don't understand what's happening with these people, but. I guess that's a long way to say we don't live in a world anymore where you can just coexist. You can't coexist with people who are trying to, you know, I guess force you to, to um, believe in their religion. I mean, that seems like what a lot of this is. That's what the Supreme court is about. And the the fact that anybody thought the Supreme court wasn't going to do what they're doing. I mean, (laughs) you know, these people are like villains out of a movie and they're going to be the villains there. And they sat there and said it was precedent. They don't believe in precedent. <laughs> precedent is meaningless to these, to these people. So, uh, Brad, specific, I want to round this back to you because let's focus this conversation the way it was intended was to say all these things we're talking about, but relate them to music. I mean, we're all, music yeah. podcasters here um, yeah well i guess i mean to me again bringing it back just to music i to me there's kind of three categories of this there's the political thing which i uh, could be just a matter of the difference of opinions like this particular interview that we were talking about and i'm not going to mention that particular guest of yours name just because i i don't think it's really all that crucial to this discussion and i don't think he was off the rails or anything it was just a surprise to me that that uh there was such a differing of opinion between himself and myself based on the, the music and then on the other end of that you've got you've got ted nugent and kid rock which you know yeah. <laughs> then there's there's kind of the 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 bad behavior thing and it, this is the trickiest one for me because this is like like the jimmy pages and the steven tyler's right mm-hmm. the the underage girls it's always a a bad mix of underage girls and drugs mm-hmm. and you know, and, and then there's the, you know, the, well, it was 40 years ago. So attitudes are different, but does that make it right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's the one I wrestle with, with the most. And then the, to me, the third thing is basically the criminal, Mm -hmm. which is the Gary glitters, Mm -hmm. uh, the, the Marilyn Manson's, Mm -hmm. um, the Vince Neal's frankly, Mm -hmm. because he basically killed a guy. Yeah. And for the most part, got away with it. Yeah. And I don't see a whole lot of remorse there. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I mean, even somebody like Eric Clapton, forget about the whole, you know, his whole anti-vax thing, which is very strange yeah. and just yeah. a, a weird quirk of his. But I mean, I, I don't know if you guys have ever had this experience. I read a decent amount of music related books 
And Clapton's autobiography is the only one that I can think of that at the end of the book, and he, you know, it's his autobiography, that at the end of the book, I liked him less than I did really? when I started the book. <laughs> um, and a big part of that was that this whole section of his life where like he, he lived with like this 15 year old girl for a few years during his like height of heroin use. And she was really into it. And she ended up basically being institutionalized and, you know, he made it through, mm -hmm. but she didn't. And there's really no sense of responsibility in that book. There's no, I never got the feeling he really felt much guilt about it. Mm -hmm. You know, he, he doesn't write about it like he's proud of it, but I, but I really got the feeling of like, like he just didn't get it. Like, mm -hmm. you know, you ruined her life. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I didn't feel like any ownership or any responsibility for that. And that, that, that hurt me about an artist who I'm not, I'm not a gigantic Clapton fan, but I've always respected him as a guitar player and a, and a lot of his music don't love all of it. There's a lot of crappy albums in his catalog, but there's some great records too. But you know, that, that middle category there, that kind of just, just bad behavior or, or frankly, a lot of it's worse than just bad behavior, but, but you know, how you reconcile that with, with, with this music that to me is core of who I am. That's the stuff I grew up listening and shaped me in so many ways. And yet a lot of those people are not great people, yeah. or at least at the time, and you can, again, you can excuse a lot of it through drugs, but I'm not sure that's that much of an excuse, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. um, and how, and sort of the lives that were left in a wreckage behind a lot of their behavior, you know? Yeah. There are a couple of recent um, examples of this that are sticking with me. I think you guys, I, I think Eric, you and Craig have talked about this on podcasts. One is BJ and I were, um, you can tell by certain rock stars, their posts like on social media or Facebook where they stand on a lot of things. And um, one that kind of saddened me that BJ and I were commenting on recently was Brian Setzer appears to, you know, be on the, on the right side. And um, based on some of his comments, pictures he posts and freedom and all this kind of stuff. And that makes me sad, but one of the, the call, bigger to ones- clarify, To clarify, not on the right side, on the incorrect side. Yes, good, <laughs> yes. Thank you, yes. Um, and the other one is John Ferris, the drummer for NXS. Is, uh, you know, he, as you saw, I think Eric, I kind of got into it with some of his fans on Facebook. He posted something when, there, when the trucker convoy thing was happening, he posted a picture of a concert or something that he was supporting or being a part of to support the trucker truckers and their right to freedom and anti-vaxxing and my body, my choice and all this kind of stuff. And um, he couldn't wait for truth social to start for like the real freedom of speech to take over the world and all this kind of stuff. And this is killing me. I mean, in excess is right up there for me, you know, as one of my favorite, very favorite bands. And, uh, and I've always really liked him. He seemed like a good guy. And this is just breaking my heart. And I'm making comments on there about how disappointing it is. It is. And then, you know, half his fans are coming after me and half his fans are coming after those people who are coming after me and starts this whole thing. Um, where are you, do you, where do you feel most compromised, Eric, with some of these, some of these kinds of feelings? Can you think of, of any? Um, I mean, uh, 
kind of what what BJ saying. I'm I'm pretty hard lined about it, right? In fact, um, you know, you know, not only not only the bad behavior or the the criminal or the the wrong side folks, you know, I'm, you know, we're in such a critical point in our uh, survival as a species, to be completely honest, right? That we don't have time to mess around with this bullshit, right? So, you know, um, you had mentioned before we started recording about the gun violence episode we did and someone posted on Podsize, I'm no longer listening to you. And I just said, bye, right? You remembered that to me, but, you know, I, I just don't even give oxygen to these folks, right? Um, they are the minority. You know, I take some solace in that. They are a loud minority, like PJ says, right? The, you know, going into politics is a whole separate episode, right? But that, you know, uh, minority rule is certainly a, a massive threat right now, right? Um, we don't have an opposition party per se, right? So, you know, that's a whole other can of worms, you know. But, you know, I think during this critical time, it's more incumbent on us to not just be not racist, but actually be vocally anti-racist, for example, right? So anyone to me that's sitting on the sideline, you're a coward, right? So, you know, I've, you know, not only do I, I don't, I don't check in on John Ferris anymore, whatever, I followed him, I'm gone from that, right? Um, you know, there are artists that I have loved or they've helped shape my worldview that, you know, hold their tongue on these things, you know, for, whatever, I don't know, fear of splitting their audience or, you know, maybe they're leaning more right and so forth, right? Um, you know, anyone that's saying, you know, we need the left and the right, we need this balance, can we all just agree to disagree? You know, agree to disagree as I like pepperoni on my pizza and you don't. It's not, yeah. you know, it's not like I'm open to immigrants because we're humans and you have a fantasy about going to the border and shooting them, right? That's not an agree to disagree scenario right so you know i you know if you're not speaking up now for women's rights who the fuck are you right where are you you know it's it's getting past the point of being too late right so you know i have zero tolerance and there's you know we have friends and you know back to what i was talking about with eric clapton right there's you know we have a bit of choice in getting back to the art side of it, right? It's kind of the lighter side of this to an extent, right? We have choice of who as consumers, you know, who we lift up and who we don't lift up, right? So I would never even consider having, you know, these guys on my podcast when I was doing them, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, I do a house concert series now and I generally speaking, I think I'm good on who I present, right? Uh, I don't think I would present someone up, you know, that I wasn't comfortable with, right? It's you know, we got to lift up um, the right voices and, you know, not give oxygen to the the other side is the way I, is one of the things, right? And I think, you know, I think um, if you lead, they will follow, right? So the louder voices, the more loud voices we have that we're lifting up, you get a bit of a Pied Piper effect, right? People will come along with us, right? So, you know, Stop talking about Ron Keel or Ted Nugent or Michael Sweet, right? You know, I don't care that Michael Sweet is pro-life. I should have known that all along, right? I had him on the episodes on Pods and Sods and, you know, I like Striper for whatever they were, right? But, um, 
not anymore. Right. We're past the point. Right. I can't just, uh, I can't just like, uh, you know, honestly anymore, you know, I, now I have to see who you, who you are. Right. Um, you know, the flip side of it is also interesting. Back to that point I made about star Wars. Since the, since the, since 2015, how many folks have you seen like turn on, like say Springsteen as an example, you know, fuck him and his politics. Like, were you guys not paying attention? Like, did you, at what point did you not realize who Bob Dylan was or what Springsteen was singing about? Right. Um, so there, there's this other side where they're well, disowning, you know, the libs owning, you know, it's just, it's maddening. Sorry, I rambled. It is. No, it is. I remember, uh, this goes back, I think, was it Devils and Dust? That's a Springsteen record, right? Yeah. Uh, when that 90s. record came out, um, like Laura Ingram did like some segment where she was picking it apart and it was the whole shut up and sing, you know, that, that attitude, right? right. To, to shut up and sing. And I, that's, that's always ironically funny to me because you only say that when it's an opposing view of, of yours, course, that's right? right? They would never say that about Kid Rock, no. <laughs> you know, uh, it, she'd bring him on, on her show. Yeah, absolutely. You know? And just in general, sometimes you see uh, other podcasters, you'll hear it on their podcast, you'll see it on Facebook, various people who, who complain about, I hate it when they get political. But no, it's only when it's an opposing view. That's right. Right. You don't, you know, you don't notice it. And it's always, I mean, it, the liberal point of view is in general, that's the rock and roll point of view. Yeah. Like you're hard, you have to dig kind of hard to find the kid rocks out there. And they're usually super vocal, but there's not really that many of them no. you know we we are largely in the majority i mean i always wonder like well if you're that far on that side like what music do you listen to yeah. or do you just ignore the message of 90 percent of the music that has come out since the 1960s because it's basically all been more or less our message right of inclusion of equal rights of all of that um i you know i just i just always wonder every once in a while you find somebody there's a guy who wrote the uh the 33 and a third book about the beastie boys um the paul's boutique that guy's like a pretty hard right right-leaning dude um and i mean the beastie boys are not that you know, here's a guy who in, who is so into that band and so into that record, he wrote a book about it. Mm -hmm. And yet politically, he's completely on the other side. For, like, I don't know how you get there. Like, I, don't I, right? I could never write a book about Ted Nugent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I just I can't see it. I can't. Yeah. I don't I don't know how these people are. I don't know if that's commendable or if it's what that they're able to just turn that thing off and just. Yeah. you know, look at it as, and somehow disconnect from it. Cause to me, music is such an intimate personal experience that I just can't, I can't do it. I could never do an episode of my show about a song that was about something that I didn't believe in or connect with or relate to. So are we not going to have like a Lee Greenwood? I'm in love with that song episode. <laughs> no, no, that's a pretty much a guarantee. There'll yeah, never okay. be. 
you did you did have him on your show how do you i did i did yeah yeah i did i'm still kind of proud of that not that back it was at the very beginning of the trump presidency it was the first fourth of july after that i'm not making excuses i think the world's got i wouldn't do it now but at the time the two that tuesday was on the fourth of july and i thought let's i'm let's give let's see what lee greenwood thinks these days what's his story and I told it. It was, it was fine. Mm-hmm. I'm going to pass it to you in a second here, BJ. I have a couple stories to tell relating to what Brad was just saying. First of all, um, so it's funny. The guy I mentioned earlier who I have, who withdrew and I haven't heard from for a while, he does his own show. I've been on his show. He's been on ours. And um, his co-host one day, they, they play alternative rock music from the last, you know, the last few decades or whatever. And uh, he and his co-host are both on the right. And I remember his co-host saying his co-host is a big Billy Bragg fan. And he was saying, he was introducing Billy Bragg of all people. And he said, I just love Billy Bragg. I don't like his politics, oh. but I love his music. And I think, <laughs> how do Billy- you get there? That's that of all the people, right? He's one of the most inseparable yes. music from politics of anyone who's ever made a record. Unbelievable. That's, that's, that's shocking. Exactly, that's that exactly is shocking. my thought. Yes. I'd be like BJ writing a book about, um, BJ not like multi neck guitars and then writing a book about that. He hates checkered patterns. <laughs> I know. I, I could not believe that. I think about that all the time. And I think, I guess that's kind of like saying I, I like Julia Child, but I don't like her cooking or something. I don't know. <laughs> it's even worse than that. It is. It is. <laughs> I just, it shocks me that you would think that it could feel that way. And the other th- quick story I'll tell another, this is another one of our listeners who I also haven't heard from for a few years. Um, and this guy and I, I, another, he was a fan of our show. He was very nice to me for a while. I don't remember his name. I think it was Mike. And uh, he actually helped us get a, a guest who's been on a couple of times. And um, he warned me in one of his, his, we were not Facebook friends, but he was, he warned me in one of his things. Just so you know, I, you know, I, if you look at my feed, it's full of a lot of this and that. And I thought, well, good, we won't be friends then. I don't care. It's fine. Anyway, after my Ron Nevison episode came out, this would have been three or four years ago. He messaged me and he said, hey, in the future, could you just edit out the political talk in, you know, your episodes? (laughs) And uh, he was like, you know, because that's really unnecessary. And like Brad was saying, it takes away, you know, I'm not here for the politics. And I just unloaded on this guy. And I was like, look, do you do you mess Do you write Stephen Colbert and ask him to cut out any political talk on his show? If you're if you're really feeling this way I don't and if you're only asking me because you think you know me that you can like go to me directly and ask me to cut out any political talk which I rarely bring it up it's just usually if the these days I might bring it up a little bit more often but this was years ago so it's if the guest brings it up that's fine that's their prerogative I if you're only listening to media in this day and age that agrees with you good luck i don't know who you're listening to anymore or what you're in in, you know ingesting because there's very little of it out there unless it's fox or newsmax or whatever because as brad was saying most of the people in media creative types artistic types are not on your side of this fence so anyway i'd never heard from him and poor yan 
Yan swooped in and was had to be like play good cop to my bad cop. Hey, yeah. you know, we really appreciate hearing from you and you know, thanks anyway. And he tried to smooth it out. I never heard from the guy again. I don't know mm. where he is. But hey, you know, I you know, not to put you on the spot, John, but you did message me asking me to cut out all the Jeremy Rogers stuff on our episode. <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> um, you know what? To just a serious point though, you know, one of the things that I actively try to uh, surmount is not buying into right-wing framing, right? So, for instance, like I don't say uh, pro-life, I say anti-choice, right? Anti-women, something like that, right? Um, yeah. You know, you I don't start with a position of concession, right? So, you know, on the gun debate, a lot of, you know, corporate Democrats will say, They'll, they'll preface things, but I'm not trying to say we're trying to take everyone's guns away, right? Even moms does that, right? I'm, you're starting at a position of compromise, right? So to me, these aren't politics. To me, these are questions of morality. Politics, again, would be, you know, is should the tax rate be 12% or 17%? That's politics to me, right? You know, we're talking about should gay people exist, right? That's not politics, right? Um, should women have body autonomy? That's not politics. That's morality, right? So that's why, you know, back to what BJ saying, you know, it is, it is that absolute black and white. There is, there are clear villains here, right? So I don't, I don't chalk it up as, you know, oh, we have different politics and you know, agree to disagree, you know, again, because it's not, I don't see it as politics, right? I, you know, so when people say, and it's just language, we all have it, it's ubiquitous in the zeitgeist. We just say, you know, getting political, but it's not getting political. These are issues of morality. They really are. Yeah. BJ, back to you. Have you, what kind of wrestling or conflict have you experienced relating to your podcast, any in this, on, in this way, on this topic? Not too much. Um, I've said political things on my show and I don't really remember getting much pushback mm-hmm. and I probably just blocked. I would just, We've gotten pushback on the cheap talk with trick check chat page, and I very much enjoy just blocking all of them. Uh, I just kick them off the page. Um, you know, when Cheap Tricks last album came out, the title track was an anti Trump song, and they actually made some statements, which was, you know, I was very happy about. Bunny Carlos put a thing, anti Trump statement out on his Facebook page around the time of the election, and so, of course. Because in the hard rock, heavy metal world, it's all these macho, manly men. And that seems to, there's, you know, the Venn diagram of macho, manly man and right winger. There's pretty big overlap there. So that's, I think that's what you get a lot of them in the whole hard rock, heavy metal arena. So, of course, with Cheap Trick or Anti-Trump, they're going to get a lot of whiners who all of a sudden want to cancel them, even though they hate cancel culture. So, yeah, but I just block them uh you know mm-hmm. um the one bad experience i had relating to my podcast was when i interviewed cyril jordan from the flame and groovies who wrote shake some action which is a very important song kind of in the history of power pop punk rock sure. and he starts going off on his pro-trump stuff eventually and i made the decision of instead of arguing with him just getting off the phone I, what is the point of arguing with him? Uh, but yeah, that was, that was very disappointing. I ended up only probably using less than 15 minutes of him in an episode then just talking about writing that song, but that was very disappointing. 
you know, this is, and this is a guy who comes out of the sixties and like Brad was saying, it's, you know, there's not many of these. And I think it's because creative artistic people have empathy. They think for themselves, they, they're thoughtful. They develop their own opinions. That's why they're all on the left. Mm-hmm. You know, most people on the right have to be told what to think mm-hmm. and they get their opinions prepackaged and delivered right into their, you know, it takes a while to get, find that pea brain, but it gets there. And, uh, but they don't think for themselves. And the funny thing is they think they do. And they think we're the ones who are brainwashed because everything is a delusion with them. But I keep going off. But yeah, you know, the one person I could think of recently is Ace Freely, who had some really ridiculous shit turn up like on his Facebook and stuff. And um, it's like he posted some crazy stuff after that Travis Scott thing happened mm. in Houston about how it was a satanic ritual and all, and it's just insane, like QAnon conspiracy level stuff. Um, but I've grown up compromised about KISS my whole life. I mean, KISS have been my favorite band since I was a kid and I never really liked Gene Simmons. I always hated Gene Simmons like gospel of greed and he always seemed like he was probably a right winger. Uh, it's been very heartening to see Gene Simmons really come out against all the Trumpers and the anti-maskers and stuff, because it shows that even if you lean that way, if you think for yourself and you use common sense and logic, you know, so you have someone like Dean Simmons, who I think he was never ultra political, but he always seemed like he was probably a Republican. But because he was a diehard capitalist is what I would think. Right, right, exactly. But it really seems like in this day and age, a guy like Dean Simmons can't go along with this bullshit. He can't because it's all such so preposterous and just nonsense so much of what they believe is complete nonsense and like the whole anti-mask thing it just makes no sense and it was all like either they're a macho manly man or just anything to own the libs but there's no logic there's no thought process that goes into anti-maskers they didn't even think of it themselves they were just told that's what they should think yeah yeah. and it so yeah it's been great to see that gene simmons and paul stanley have done a lot of fighting with these idiots online um ace freely on the other hand seems like he's more in the the camp of the idiots but i that doesn't that's not going to affect me listening to old kiss records you know i can even listen to old ted nugent records honestly um i've liked ted nugent since i was a kid i talked on my podcast about my uncle who really got me into a lot of music he had ted nugent records i liked a lot of ted nugent records from the 70s early 80s of course i think ted nugent is mentally ill personally i mean the guy is completely out of his out of his mind uh but i can still enjoy those old records uh, like brad was saying there's still everybody for like he mentioned jimmy page all these guys have a lot of like when i was growing up and i loved hard rock and heavy metal i never related to the guys in the bands though mm-hmm. that's that's the weird thing is i never related to those guys i think it was when i branched out in college and found a lot more music that i liked and i started actually finding artists that i related to and it was a weird thing that as i was like when i was a kid most of the the bands that I listened to, I probably didn't feel like I really had a whole lot of common with the guys in the band, you know? Yeah. Um, well, you know, that's, that's the hard thing, particularly when you look at like 
particularly at 70s music and some into mm -hmm. the 80s is like the fact is if you scratch virtually any of these artists Mm -hmm. You know, just just scratch with your fingernail one layer deep. You're going to find stuff that's, you know, not very savory. So at some point you have to be, well, either that or you just don't listen to anything. But I mean, you know, Bowie, it's weird crap in Bowie, <laughs> to say the least. And Bowie's like an artist that John, you and I both adore. Yeah. Um, so many of these, you know, Eric mentioned John Lennon. You know, I mean, John, a, a complex guy, you know, yeah. um, you know, what what sometimes what separates and this is true just for outright politicians, but particularly for me, for musicians, you know, looking at somebody like Lennon is that he's a guy that had ideals that never lived up to them. And I think basically an, for a, not always, but a lot, I think, acknowledged that, you know, but at least he strove for something. Whereas, you know, the, the other way is when, you know, you live a hedonistic life, but you're the first person to want to shut down somebody else's, you know, which is typically right. The, the, that kind of right-wing conservative way of doing things, you know, yeah. a lot of these, these people are freaks, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they're the first yeah. ones to want to tell other people how to live yeah. versus, you know, maybe you can be a self-centered jerk, but you know, it, at least what you're trying to project is better than that. You're trying to be better. Yeah. You may never get there. You know, yeah. Lennon's been saint. He's become a saint somewhat through marketing and somewhat just as a result of the way he died. But, you know, he's much more complex than that. But I still, I still have a lot of love for Lennon because to me, I see somebody who strove to be the ideal he was projecting and never got there, which frankly is a lot more relatable to me than somebody who actually, you know, than a Bono, for example, yes. you know. Ooh, do you have a problem with Bono? No, no, okay. but just the it's fact that- That's his name, apparently. Oh, I thought you meant Sonny Bono. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he was just, a tree hugger. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Ooh, tree hugger, I get it. Ouch. Okay. Ouch. <laughs> Ooh, T-bone. Um, I, uh, yeah, I, I, my feeling, I have a hard time, um, you know, judging anyone on today's sense of morality for behavior they may have done in the seventies or whatever. I hope that when they know better, they do better. Yeah. Um, and it's the ones who don't like BJ was saying, if they don't, if they are not, if they refuse to be, or are ignorantly, willfully, willfully ignorant being enlightened to what's right and wrong today, then that's when I have a big problem. In fact, I'll tell you a quick story. <clears throat> um, and this one, I think I may have told before. So we had Brian Howell on here a few years ago, who's the replacement lead singer in Bad Company. And that was a major gift for me. I really wanted to know what Brian Howe's story was. Comes out of nowhere, takes over Bad Company for a while, exits, we never really hear from him again. And he was so nice and so charming, much like Tony Hadley, on the interview that we had. And I came away from that just completely charmed, like, wow, this guy is great. But you follow him on social media and things, and it becomes clear that he's in the Ted Nugent camp. And eventually he posts, and I don't remember if it's on, he died, by the way, he's not with us any longer. But he posted somewhere on either Facebook or Twitter that he fired one of his band members because they were a Democrat. Hmm. And um, he 
put it out there, I think, to his listeners, what do you think I should do? Do you think that I should hire another one and make sure that they're uh, a Republican and only have Republicans in my band? Or what do you think we should do? And that was just gross to me, you know, just gross. And then I had Mick Wall, the like heavy metal writer on a few months ago, and he alludes to, I never did find out exactly what it was. He alludes to some very deviant behavior from Brian Howe during his years in the bad company, in bad company. I have no idea what that is. I assume it's, I don't know, pedophilia or something like that. I'm trying to think what the worst could be. I might be talking with a member of Bad Company for the podcast here pretty soon, so maybe we'll find out. But um, it's How just you ask. Yeah, I'll ask. Classic hey, John Lamoureux question. question. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We like to put that pedophilia very sensitively here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that'll be me when I talk to Simon Kirk. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, wow. we'll see. So I, um, yeah, it's just gross. It's just gross. I'm curious, uh, Eric, you, um, you know, talking about people who we once loved, where do you, how do you feel about Billy Sheehan? Is he still on the like oh, right wing yeah, Scientology I, I, tip? Yeah. I didn't ever, I never particularly like loved him. I was just oh, a fan okay. of his work or whatever, you know, I just a casual fan. Um, uh, I did, I do have a funny anecdote about this, uh, from my podcast days. So when Stan Lee passed, I was going to put together a remembering Stan Lee with musicians talking about comic books, right. And what Stan's life and work meant to them and so forth. Right. So I set about like finding musicians that were influenced by comic books, or I knew were big comic nerds and stuff. Right. So I had Corey Glover. We had a great discussion about how black Panther influenced him. Cause first he saw someone look like him as a, not only a hero, but a King and so forth. Right. And it was, it was good. I had maybe one or two others, but it, there weren't a lot of options, right? So I found the drummer from System of a Down, um, and I interviewed him. And System of a Down, I don't know if you guys know System of a Down, but uh, Serge, the singer, was a big Bernie guy, progressive, real vocal, right? Fantastic. Um, but the drummer's name is John, and he has John Del Mayan, I think it was. And he has, like, one of the biggest comic book stores ever in Vegas, and it's this massive vault and one of the best collections ever, millions of dollars and so forth. And... I had a good conversation with him kind of about Stan Lee. And then towards the end, I was like, is there anything else you want to say about him? Right. And he went into, you know, basically about how Stan Lee was a great American, right. All that kind of like just took on the tone. Right. And I was like, holy shit. And then I, and then I sort of scanned further into socials and I realized like, yeah, this is, uh, this is not the flavor of the guy I wanted to honor uh, Stan Lee here. Right. And so I ended up never airing it. So somewhere I haven't done my, and you know, and it was one of those ones. I'm. I don't know if you, I don't know if you've ever aborted an interview, John. But it was one of those ones where I was like, "All right, I'm good. Thank. I got what I need. Thank you." Yeah. 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 I don't have anything necessarily on Billy Sheehan. I knew he was, uh, you know, Scientologist. This is a great clip on YouTube of him uh, standing outside of uh, one of those facilities in LA, and he's trying to, you know, um, he's not. He's not Billy Sheehan. He's just a guy, right, yeah. uh, representing Scientology. And someone who is a defector or whatever from Scientology is sort of asking him, bobbing them the, the knowing questions at him. And he, you know, at first, it's been years since I watched it, he's defending Scientology very vocally and, you know, 
proudly. And then eventually he's almost kind of like shirking behind his sign and stuff. It's really interesting. So if you really go search uh, Billy Sheehan Scientology on YouTube, it's pretty fascinating. It's interesting. Uh, I went to five years ago when I went to LA to be on Pat's uh, rock solid podcast for the first time, my brother and I went and on the plane right over there, I was reading Leah Remini's book about her, you know, journey away from Scientology. And that night, my brother and I are walking along Sunset Boulevard and there's the big Scientology building there. And they have people out front who doing what Billy Sheehan's yep. doing. Yep. And this guy's like, hey, why don't you come in here and talk to me? And I said, no, 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 no. I'm reading Leah Remini's book right now. I know all about <laughs> it. She said, he's like, well, let me tell you why that's false. Let me tell you the right. truth. Right. Come on over here. Let me tell you the truth. And I, I knew going in, I, based on her book, I just read on the plane over that day do not give these people any oxygen or else they are trained to bounce. And uh, I just kept on walking, but anyway, yeah. yeah. And I'm sure there are people out there who feel strongly about Mormons in a similar fashion. And I, it's, I can stomach that because I'm not actively defending or promoting or anything Mormon. I don't, I don't even really talk about it that much, but hopefully it doesn't offend anybody. Um, what about you, Brad? Anyone else on your list? What, what about Van Morrison? Are you a big enough Van Morrison fan that you can listen to him or is it a problem? Um, yeah. I'm a moderate Van Morrison fan. I think when Van's good, he's really good. But again, he's got a lot of records that are samey. Mm -hmm. And um, it, it's not to the point where I can't listen to those old records. But I don't. I have no interest in listening to anything new. And the last couple records he's put out have all been kind of part of his, you know, anti-vax sentiment. And I just not interested in listening to it. I'm certainly not going to spend any money to promote it or you know encourage it or reward him for that. Um, I mean, like I said, the you know the list of of the bad behavior people is is so long and yeah. You know, there's yeah. so many of that. And that's like I said, that's the that's the thing that I struggle with the most is is kind of how to reconcile that. I did, did sort of talk about maybe a slightly lighter side of the subject, like particular songs, like one that always comes to mind for me is You're 16 by Ringo. Mm. Right. I mean. I don't know if he's doing that song now. I, I kind of doubt it. I, God, I hope not. But even then, he was probably like 30-something years old when he cut that song. And uh, But, you know, those kind of particular songs that are just like, I'm sure not, not that many people cringed at the time, but, you know, you just think about it now. <laughs> Christine know? 16, she was only... Christine 16 is a great then. one, yeah. Um, that song should not be played now. That should Wingers, be Wingers, from the set list. Winger 17. Yeah, there's yeah. A, lot, a lot of those. Yeah. He was sexy in 17 back to Brian Setzer, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 There is a lot of that problematic stuff out there. Yeah. You know, uh, it, there's, you know, to Brad's point, there's, you know, it, there's a subjectivity to this, getting away from the political side of it and just talking about the bad behavior slash criminality, right? Like, I don't expect any of the four of us had any problem saying, you know, fuck R. Kelly, right? Because uh -huh. I don't imagine <laughs> yeah, we're active listeners of R. Kelly, right? Yeah. You know, but, you know, like that 16 song, he wrote a song, AJ Nothing But a Number for Aaliyah, right? And that was creepy as fuck, but he got away with it. You know, there's 
there are levels of privilege with that as well, right? Like Ringo can sing that, Kiss could sing that in 76 or whatever, right? Um, but, uh, you know, one thing that does give me hope in that context is I, da I, I dare some macho artist to try to put that song out now in 2022, right? Mm -hmm. uh, about, you know, something like that. You couldn't get away with it, as you shouldn't, right? Um, you know, and, the, you know, we whitewash it to an extent, like, like we were talking about John Lennon, right? Elvis got away with Priscilla because he was Elvis, right? Um, but hopefully we've, the dynamic range of our overall public morality has shifted in a positive direction on that sense, right? Hopefully. Who knows? Maybe the Supreme Court will tell us we were right before. We should go back to, you know, dating and marrying teenagers. Child brides, yeah, arranged marriages, maybe. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Probably, probably, the most disappointing uh, thing for me in my life in this realm is Woody Allen. Um, I had just become a huge Woody Allen fan, like in the early '90s when all hell broke loose. I I really loved his films, and that's one that you know just still bothers me. And yeah, it it just takes away. It's weird. It's with listening to music i don't really have that but if you can never watch his movies the same way again especially not manhattan there's an interesting thing of that too which you know woody allen or you think maybe the cosby show or something like there are other people that get swept up in that right so michael jackson you know michael jackson we could debate that all day long right um but you know that that it, if you're throwing out that, then you're throwing out the work of the Toto guys and all the uh, geniuses that worked on that stuff, right? So it's, you know, and I don't know the Woody Allen films necessarily, but, you know, all those actors and so forth that I'm sure gave great performances or whatever, but... Uh, yeah. yeah, it's true. And yeah, I mean, wars. some of those Woody Allen movies are some of the greatest movies ever. Like Zelig would rank as one of my favorite movies ever, but it is it's a great painted. movie. It's tainted, you know. Yeah, yeah. Me and Eric have me and Eric have talked about Louis C.K., who I was a massive fan of. Yeah, and I'm still torn about what happened to him, and you know, and then when you start thinking about, well, is it really that bad? You know, I know, <laughs> I know. It's easier um, to make uh, make excuses for people that we love, you know, or that we were already existing fans of. Like Eric was right. saying, I don't. I, it's no skin off my back to never listen to r kelly again i don't care about that you know yeah um, I, I i i didn't need another reason to hate van morrison or eric clapton <laughs> right right you know yeah it's um i i struggle with the similarly i feel about bill cosby kind of the way you do uh bj because he had been sort of a hero for me if you if you've seen the we need to talk about cosby docuseries on showtime mm -hmm. W. Kamau Bell made. It is so. It is so rare that a black person gets to be deemed a hero in American culture, and he played that part so well for so long, and I bought completely into it. You know, I loved him, and I still think the Cosby Show is one of the best sitcoms ever created, and um, and I still am. I, st I haven't watched the Cosby show since all this went down. I don't know if it's that you talking about it affecting other people. 
think about like the Malcolm Jamal Warners of the world or whoever were, who were, who have been living off royalty checks from that show being on all the time, their whole lives. And now is no longer on the air, you know, and um, because of Cosby and now that impacts them. Similarly, my favorite show as a kid was the Dukes of Hazard, you know, and now we know better. And John Schneider, the uh, Bo is a Trumper. And so that affects my ability to enjoy the Dukes of Hazard, you know, similarly. So it's, it's tricky, but uh, yeah. I, I always go back to when you know better, you do better. That's people want to make fun of wokeness. That's what being woke is. When you know better, you do better. You know, you don't fight that. Specifically to that point, you know, since you mentioned Dukes of Hazard, is it Leonard Skinner that that abandoned the Confederate flag at, at oh, a point? Oh, did they? Good. Um, who am I thinking of? Is it Leonard Skinner? I'm not a big enough oh, Leonard Skinner fan, no. One of those bands that was heavily associated with that in the 70s and whatever. Once they knew better, they they left yeah. it behind very, very vocally. Good. I think it's Leonard Skinner. Yeah. Um, yeah. Good. Good for them. Well, guys, do you have any final thoughts? What, what, Eric, I, I look to you as somebody with, I don't know if answers is the right word, but how would you, how should we be acting? What should we be doing proactively? Uh, just anything, everything, anything, right? Really? I think, uh, I think speaking out is critical. You know, it's not a time to be on the sidelines. Mm -hmm. It's not a time to sit on your hands or agree to disagree. You know, it's a time to, be in the fight again, BJ's point, they're villains. Like they, you know, they're not to be compromised with. And I'm not saying this from a violent perspective. I'm saying defeat them politically and morally and so forth. Right. Um, drown out their message, that type of thing. Right. Um, you know, it is, it's unfortunate. They're, they're impervious to facts. If you're talking to them directly, particularly on social media, you know, you might be able to get through people one-on-one, -on -one, you know, I think a lot of that stuff probably originates from fear. You know, you, the the white power hour every night on Fox News, hosted by Tucker Carlson, talks about white replacement theory every night, right? And that's just coming from fear. You know, trans all these things are fear, transphobia, homophobia, and so forth, right? Fear of women, right? Um, if you can allay those fears one on one, the optimist in me thinks you can maybe change a mind one on one, right? I haven't been successful at it. I hope some people have, uh, but um, you know, I think if you build it, they will come, right? I think if you keep your voices raised loudly, you march with the banner of justice, people will follow you. They'll get it eventually, right? Um, that guy was a fucking con man and I've been con for six years, right? They might not vocally turn their back on it, right? But they might lessen their... Uh, like a venom around, uh, oh, just owning the libs or whatever, right? I don't, I don't know how you get somebody to not vote against their interests, right? When they're fact impervious, I, I don't have the answer for that. You know, I just think it's building, building our side as best we can, right? So what I do um, very concretely is I support progressive candidates, right? I have that daily burn page and I work on that every day and I campaign for candidates in state races and house races all over the country all the time. Right. Um, you know, we don't have an opposition party per se, but if we can get, you know, uncorrupted Democrats or independents elected, we could build 
a deeper bench and potentially have an opposition party that's not owned by you know corporations. You know, if and until that happens, we're going to be stuck with this minority rule yeah. and uh, paid to lose feckless Washington generals, Democratic Party. Right. So that's that's what I would suggest. I uh, it's interesting you mentioned that I had a conversation with my mom who so. <clears throat> When my dad died, so, okay, going back, quick family story. My dad's dad, my grandfather, committed suicide when my dad was nine years old. And because of that, we were never allowed to have guns in the house, obviously. But not even, not even like water guns or toy guns. He was very suspicious of anything because it was too traumatic because of his dad. And as my dad got older, um, he, there was, he got sucked into the, you know, Fox News Vortex. And uh, eventually when he died, we found that he had bought a gun and um, had a gun like in, in his closet. Uh, closet being an interesting word when I talk about my dad, that's for another time. Uh, anyway, they he got sucked in. So this guy who my entire life had been very anti-gun, Fox News convinced him that he needed a gun. Yeah, And, um, and so then a couple of months ago, I was visiting my mom and it happened to be the day of the Buffalo shooting at the, at the grocery store. And my mom and I, when my, right after my dad, right after the election, my mom said, just so you know, John, I do believe the election was stolen. I do believe that it's illegitimate and all this kind of stuff. Thankfully over time, I think that has changed. And I think she felt that way because my dad would have Fox news on all day. And so she was just being, inundated with that information when he mm. died she doesn't turn on fox news right. and so as time passes she starts thinking more for herself and i don't believe she feels that way anymore in fact she hates trump but she was saying to me i don't know if i'll ever vote again because i'm a i'm a conservative but i don't want to vote for trump or any of his people and i said well why would you vote why wouldn't you vote for the opposition then you realize what they're about right and I brought up, a, I showed her a video on Twitter of Greg Locke. You know, he's that uh, minister who um, uh -huh. does a those just, yes, an absolute nightmare. Pure evil. He's a great pure, pure evil. Yeah. And he had put out some, you know, if you're whatever, whatever it was that day, some video about guns on the day of the Buffalo shooting. Mm -hmm. And I showed it to her and I was like, just so you know, this is, this millions of people in your party think this is right. He is not some fringe person that's on that's off in a corner that no one is paying attention to. Well, everything this guy is saying is exactly what your party is all about right now. And I want you to understand that. And I showed it to her and she, it made her kind of sick, thankfully. So mm -hmm. I don't know if she will vote the other way, but I think she won't vote Republican anymore. And so that's a little bit of a win. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's a, let me throw out a recommendation. You guys may have seen it. There's a documentary from 2015, kind of pre-Trump era, um, called The Brainwashing of My Dad. Yeah, I've seen that. It's uh, by Jen Senko. I had her, did ever on The Daily Burn. It's uh, this great, you know, follows the trajectory of her dad who was, you know, who spent his lifetime being a great guy and then was, you know, indoctrinated by Rush Limbaugh and radio. But she also talks about the history of the rise of it and so forth. And then, you know, not to give too much of a spoiler, but how she disentangled him from that in his later years. And, you know, 
eventually was like, you know, Obama's not such a bad guy. You know, it, it's a really compelling and unfortunately something I'm sure all of us can relate to. It's called the brainwashing of my dad. Anyway, well, uh, I would, so, I would, so I would recommend yeah. listening to that instead of um, Brad's next episode was a breakdown of aging, nothing but a number. And John's next episode is uh, Aaron Lewis, I think. So instead of listening to those. Wait a minute. <laughs> Please, come <What> on. <laughs> Aaron had a lot of really great things to say. You don't know. He's misunderstood. You know, I could change him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Any final thoughts? I have a final thought that I'll save to the very end, but um, any final thoughts from any of you? That guy's a fucking nut, huh? Aaron Lewis. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Big time. <laughs> I mean, I would just say, first of all, be aware of what you're listening to. Just kind of bring it back to the music. Just, you know, think about it. Pay attention. And sp speak with your wallet. Support the artist that you agree with and do not support artists that you don't you don't really need to go to that show if you know what i mean like yeah sure you you love that band when you were 17 years old but you know what we're, you don't need to go and fund that character's continued position if you don't agree with it i'm not saying they shouldn't have the right Ted Nugent has the right to do as many shows and put out as many records as he wants, but damned if I'm going to buy any of them, Yeah, right. you know, speak, right. let, speak with your wallet and just for God's sakes, just listen, listen to the really listen, which is hopefully what my show is all about, but just listen, Right. you know, BJ, what about you? And, to, and if you, and, Pitch your book while you're at it. <laughs> well, I would say one thing. If you have people in your life that are supporting, that continue to support our country being hijacked and the Supreme Court uh, becoming the handmaid's tale, you should shun those people, in my opinion. These people need to be treated like the Confederates that they are. And uh, there's no room anymore for... Oh well, you, you know, we just have our own opinion. This like this isn't about opinion anymore. Um, this part, and, just not to interrupt. This part concerns me because I, a lot of my the the only I have a lot of family members. I think we all probably do who are on that side. And like for instance, we're going to Utah at the end of this month, and I'll be seeing some of them. I, mm -hmm. I actually have a story about this I might share. Anyway, go ahead, BJ. Oh, yeah. Well, I just, you know, I've had my parents' 50th anniversary party and there were people there that are in my family. Uh, but like I said earlier, I don't have a lot of hope and I see the direction we're going in. And there's going to come a point where we're literally the universe of the Confederacy here. And I don't know, if, you know, at some point, um, this whole thing is breaking down. Uh, my only hope is they go too far. And, uh, you know, like the way they pulled the World Series out of Atlanta and stuff, like if they start, if the Republican legislatures just start throwing out elections and stuff, hopefully, you know, companies with powers are going to start fighting back and not just allow that. You know, I don't know what's going to happen, but I don't think it's going to be good. 
Uh, when, their, when, when their theocracy starts, there will be an impediment to profits, is what you're saying. That's our hope. <laughs> I don't know. I, you know, we saw a lot of, um, you know, when George Floyd happened, we saw a lot of, we saw NASCAR even coming out. You know, we saw a lot of businesses really being on the right side on stuff, like vocally. And, um, and I'm hoping that might be part of what might stop the tyranny is just that. And, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of rich people in this country who aren't right wingers. So at some point when they start just throwing out elections and installing people who didn't win, get the most votes, um, are they going to get away with it? Cause they're going to try, that's what's going to happen, I think. So um we'll see i just want to i just want to underscore that point bj because it's kind of funny is uh not to oversimplify what you said but you know part of the hope in what you're saying there is we're we're waiting on the morality of amoral corporations to yeah and the reason the reason they're on the right side of those things is they've run the numbers and it's you know we have more customers on this side than we do on that side so we're gonna sell more sneakers if we back colin kaepernick versus we don't right so um yeah, I mean that's. Hey, all the numbers. Yeah, well they they know where the money is. They know where their customers are. There's a lot more, you know, like they show that map that's all red and nobody lives, nobody lives there and there's even less teeth and there's not a lot of you know cap. There's not a lot of dis, uh, disposable income in that big red spot where nobody lives, right. you know, and uh, in the in those blue parts where everybody lives. That's also where they're spending the money that the you know these companies want more of. So yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's definitely not because they're uh, well. Who knows? It's probably a mixture of motivations. But <laughs> yeah, when when our only hope is that the the corporations will not go along with the tyranny, <laughs> that that's pretty dim. Well, that yeah, also goes fun. back to all of us watching where we spend our money. You know, not yeah. just on not going and sporting artists we don't like, but when you see a company do something you like or don't like, you know, yeah. your pocketbook should pay attention to that too. That includes checking your 401ks and making sure you're not investing in fossil fuels and what have you, right? If that's where you right. stand. Yep. Which is where it should be. Yeah. yeah. Well, isn't this another thing we're looking, we're actually going to see come down the pike is when the real um, effects of climate change that they can't ignore anymore start happening. Yeah, going to be the thing is, unfortunately, they're going to be proven wrong, and that's not going to be good. Doesn't matter. Going to be good when they're proven hasn't, wrong, but hasn't mattered be, so far. You know. Well, they're going to be proven wrong in ways they can't ignore anymore, and it, then it's too late, really. But yeah, think about the wars and. Um, human displacement and migration we have as a result of fossil fuels and oil. Imagine that once we get to the water, right? When we're mm -hmm. fighting over fresh water, you know, there's a good documentary called Human Flow by Ai Weiwei that I would recommend about that. I mean, this is the real, the real um, obstacle is the, their team versus our team so that they, these people are against solar power just because that's their team they're against universal health care just because that's their there's no logic there's no thought 
you know, there, there's no critical thinking behind any of this. And will they ever figure it out? Because everything just keeps getting worse. So how bad does it have to be before some of these people start figuring it out? I, and by then we're fucked anyways. So you're, you're again, you're making an appeal to people that claim to be patriots that supported an overthrow of our government. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, but they had themselves convinced that they were against it over that the that Biden overthrew the government somehow, right. so because right. they live in an alternate reality, and there's no, uh, I don't see any way of getting through until you know, like everything's burning. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Yeah. Can we can we send in Brad with his silver tongue uh, charm? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm good, but I'm not that good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so frustrating. All right, I'm going to close this out with two things. One, I'll tell a quick story. Um, my dad was buried on January 6th. So that morning, we were up in Idaho, where he in the small town of Downey, which he grew up in. And... Um, <clears throat> All of our family is there. There's a viewing. People are coming through. And then we go to the grave site and have like a memorial thing at the site there. And um, then, and no one's on their phone. So we don't know that anything is happening, right? There's a little truck stop in Downey, Idaho called Flags West. And it's really the only place. It's The town is like 400 people. So it's the only place for miles where there's any food. So afterwards, we all go to Flags West and have lunch. And while we're there, we're learning about the attack on the Capitol and how crazy it is. And as I said, I have a lot of family members who are there that are, I mean, I don't know where they stand on the, on the attack of the Capitol, but are, you know, big Trump supporters and everything. So after that, after we have lunch at Flags in Idaho, we decide that let's all get together tonight before we all go back home to our homes and have dinner uh, together as relatives, you know. So we meet in this pizza pizza shop and I'm with my cousin, my cousin's husband, Jim, who I'm, I've always been very close to. I, he's made a big impact in my life in a lot of ways. And he and I are talking about podcasts, what podcasts we listen to. And he was saying, oh, I listened to this one about, you know, evil world leaders. And I learned about Genghis Khan and it's just crazy how, while we're in this pizza shop, by the way, there's TVs all over the place showing the insurrection on the TV, right? And, um, you know, a few hours have passed in between. So we're learning what really went on on January 6th. And uh, I was like, oh, I, I mean, we see it all the time. Look at the TV. Look at the evil we're seeing right now. It just happened today. He's like, oh, that's not evil. That's, <laughs> that's not evil. Uh-huh. I said, what do you mean that's not evil? He said, let me ask you this. Have you ever met Donald Trump? And I said, no. And he said, well, then how do you know he's evil? And I said, because there are, there is mountains of evidence that this is bad, mountains of it. And half the table, the younger half, that's, you know, the kids or cousins are on my side and the older half, aunts, uncles, that kind of stuff, they're on his half. And it starts getting really kind of ugly, you know? And uh, a lot of it's me coming down on him because of, I can't believe that he feels this way. And it's tough. And I can hear my, my aunt, who I love so deeply at the end of the table, say to my mom, well, at least he's better than Biden, you know? And uh, it's just, this is, 
this is the ugliness that's going to happen in families, you know, and tear things apart. Last thought, this is what I wanted to end on. And this ties back into what you guys were just talking about. There's a guy I follow on Twitter named Robert Reich. Maybe you know who that is. Berkeley professor, former secretary of labor. He tweeted this out the other day and I can't stop thinking about it. And to me, this is the log jam in progress. It says the NRA buys off Congress, no action on guns. The oil industry buys off Congress, no action on climate. Insurance companies buy off Congress, no action on healthcare. Pharma buys off Congress, no action on drug prices. Money in politics is the root of our dysfunction. And when I read that tweet, I thought that's that's the problem. The money is the problem. And uh, so anyway, I don't know how we what we do about this. If you're one of my listeners in this conversation annoyed you, triggered you, bothered you. I don't know what to, what to tell you. Well, you're... I, I have to say that that point about the money being the problem, which that's what it, that's always been the problem, but that's very quaint with what we're dealing with now mm-hmm. because uh, we're fighting against, I, you know, I don't think uh, the, this movement, the, the Trump movement is not bought off by the corporate. Mm. it's just this cult around trump and like these legislatures that are just going to probably ignore the 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 electoral counts or whatever in the next election or who knows what's going to happen i don't think that's because of the court i mean those republicans of those legislatures are are bought off but uh you know yeah, the, it's crazy that we we're we got to get it's like now we have this whole other thing we have to get past before we can even start trying to fix all the other problems. Yeah, I'm going to just to talk about that a little, BJ. So that the right wing at a point in time in the 80s made a conscientious choice to tie guns and abortion to the corporate their corporate interests, right? So they manipulate, propagandize the masses to vote against their interests and they get tax cuts for the rich, right? They use they dangle guns and abortion to get the votes, right? or culture issues, right? Immigration and so forth, right? Gay marriage. Um, and that's not gonna that's not gonna end. The money in politics is not gonna end. So when I was talking earlier about, you know, supporting candidates that don't take corporate PAC money, primaries are everything, right? There was a guy like two cycles ago, John, in your district named Mike McCorkle that, you know, I remember asking you like, are you supporting him? And, you know, he was a non-corporate He's kind of gone off the deep end now, but at the time he was a non-corporate backed candidate. He didn't win the primary. Some corporate Democrat went on to win it and no change, right? Paid to lose Washington general. You know, they score a bucket here and there and they lose the game, right? But they're both paid by the same owners, if you will. Um, So primaries are absolutely critical. And the way you can, you know, the best resource to figure out if someone's taking corporate PAC money is opensecrets.org. So you can go look at candidates in your race, and I'll just throw it out there. If anyone ever wants to ping me on social media, Facebook, Eric Miller, look me up. I'll be happy to help you figure out who is the best candidate, who's corrupt and who's not corrupt. Right. Um, you know, and, you know, we we need the bigger bench. Right. Um, you know, I was a big Bernie guy, but there are there are progressives in the House and a few in the Senate. John Fetterman, hopefully in the Senate. Right. Not corporate backed. Right. Uh, those are the people we need to get elected. But what you know, what BJ saying is, you know, the house is also on fire, right? But we can't neglect every election up and down. And the only way we're going to sort of, 
you know, fill that fire hose with water to put the fire out is, you know, get more water in there, get more, you know, uncorrupted, you know, Democrats or independents into office, right? So they're not working against our interests, just working for their corporate donors to the list that Robert Rice listed there, right? You know, that you notice that was that he was not saying Republicans, he was saying Congress, yeah. right? Yes. So yeah. it, it's, you know, if I'm being fair, it's probably 98% of Republicans oh, yeah. and, and about 80% of Democrats, right? I agree. It goes both yeah. ways. That's the problem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you're on the right side of this, I think you got to build that, just using my number, you got to build that 20% of non-corrupt Democrats, right? To And it's not going to happen in one election cycle, two election cycles, you know, and if I'm being honest and, you know, pessimistic, we're kind of out of time when it comes to climate change, you know, so... Uh, my other piece of advice is just enjoy some fiddling while the Titanic sinks here. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, Eric has a great point that the most important thing to do is get Democrats elected who will actually do something. But I guess I was just saying, it's like, will that even matter when, because nothing matters, no, no traditions matter, no principles matter, no precedents matter. Uh, right now, we're just hoping that the Republicans don't manage to dismantle everything and install some kind of you know fake some just government that i guess will only be for the rich right but pretty much we got to get past that like i'm not even thinking oh uh, we got to get universal health care that that seems so far in the fucking you know future uh, you know right now uh Maybe you guys don't feel it's as desperate as I do, but I'm just looking at the next few years as like this is going to be worst case scenario. I don't, uh, I don't know. It's not looking, it's not looking good to me. No. I agree, but that, that that also means you don't take that out the ball of the longer term fight. Right. I agree. Yeah. Well, um, all right. I think we solved the world's problems on this, <laughs> this conversation. If nothing else. We. Yeah, that's it. Thanks, Brad. Good idea. <laughs> all right i'm gonna stop the recording here you don't you don't have aaron lewis coming on next week i don't you know i haven't i i should i'll put him on my list i'll reach out to aaron lewis and rob schneider while i'm at it he's got rob schneider is he uh is he uh the the comedian yeah he's, he's oh, is a big he? trump lover yeah oh my god yeah him and dennis miller and yeah anyway all right well i'm gonna stop the recording here and uh all right thanks everybody